This is The Wrap, episode 66. The Wrap is a weekly show where I talk about all the cool and fun things that happened throughout the past week. Today is Friday, February 14th, 2014, and I am your host, TJ. Well, this past week we found out that Will Smith has decided not to star in Independence Day 2. I can't say I'm really surprised, and I also can't say I am disappointed or excited, or I can't say my feelings really go either way, uh, because I wasn't necessarily a big fan of the original Independence Day. I mean, it was okay, but I I know that uh, some members of my family, my sister and my dad, really love this film, and I've never really appreciated it as much as they do, uh, the first film, that is. But, uh... We did learn, according to Kevin Jagernoth over at the playlist, yes, no, maybe, those were the three answers Will Smith has given to 20th Century Fox about returning for Independence Day 2, a.k.a. Independence Day Forever, over the past few years, but now it seems he's made up his mind. Deadline reports that Smith won't be starring in the sequel that it w- that is set for a 2016 release, but they add that they were told not to set this in stone because Smith has been back and forth before on whether to take the movie. That said, they do believe he'll be letting director Roland Emmerich know shortly that he won't be coming back. So for whatever uh, whatever sense that makes of all the rumors that have been swirling around, he's in, he's out, maybe he's in, maybe he's out. Um, that's, that's the scoop as, as of right now. And, and as I say, I'm not all that excited, and I don't think the movie, I don't know, I don't think the movie will be that good, but I could be surprised, so we'll see. Um, I'll, I'll probably go see it. I'm not going to like hate it or, you know, dismiss it unnecessarily, but, uh, that's kind of how I feel right now is ambivalent. A little bit more on the Hunger Games and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, according to, uh, Sean O'Connell over at Cinema Blend, um, he says, uh, Sources touched on the fact that Hoffman still had one major scene left to film in Mockingjay Part 2 and that certain filmmaking tricks would have to be employed to complete the movie. Today, yet another version of that story is circulating. The New York Post became the first outlet to confirm that the the filmmakers will digitally recreate Hoffman in this pivotal scene. Uh, as was reported earlier, none of this will affect the release date of either Mocking uh, either Mockingjay film. Part 1 is due in theaters on November 21st. Um, and he goes on, at the risk of sounding insensitive, of course Hoffman is going to be digi- recreated digitally. The studio is left with very few options in light of what has occurred. The first two movies adapted the Hunger Games books have from the Hunger Games books have followed the source material very closely, and a writer for a character <clears throat> a rewrite for a character as important as Heavensby is out of the question. Recasting makes no sense as Hoffman allegedly had only seven days left to film and reportedly had completed all his work in Mocking J Part One. What are you are you going to allow Hoffman to play the character in Catching Fire and fir- the first Mocking Jay, then ask an actor to fill his shoes in the franchise's swan song? And 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 I think that that's I mean these are all really good points. Uh, you know, some people seem to think it would be disrespectful and crash to digitally recreate him. I really don't see another choice, and I don't see certainly not another choice that's as respectful of Hoffman and the work that he's already done. So um, in, in cost prohibitiveness too of reshooting the entire. Uh, last film. I mean, you certainly wouldn't go back and reshoot Mockingjay Part 1. So uh, I think digital recreation is the best avenue to take here for that one scene he had left. And I think it'll be okay. And and as I said before on on the podcast, I hope that I don't know which scene that they're digitally recreating so that I can be surprised when I find out and then hopefully not even notice it. I'd I'd like to see if I can tell. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see how that goes. 
Star Wars 7 has uh, revealed a start date. Uh, almost no Bothan spies were injured in, or killed in bringing you this report either. Uh, multiple sources have confirmed for us that Star Wars 7 is set to start shooting mid-May and will run through September of this year, and most principal casting on the film is complete, with many announcements still to come. While Abrams had mentioned May during the TCA press tour and there had been speculation about the summer date, the full production schedule has finally been confirmed for us. This is according to Drew McQueen over at HitFix. And, you know, this is interesting in that I um, I didn't think that we would ever see another Star Wars production in my lifetime. Not my lifetime. I, uh, I made the same mistake earlier when I talked about it on the Movie Bite podcast. I, I mean, at a point in my life where I was watching movies and cared about movies, I figured maybe, maybe 30 years down the road, we would see new Star Wars films in the form of a reboot, perhaps, of, of completely rebooting the franchise. So, I do find this exciting. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that J.J. Abrams can make better films than Lucas gave us with the prequels. Uh, Star Wars has proven with the original three, um, episodes four, five, and six, that um, it, it can be uh, a good franchise, and I'd like to see it be a good franchise again. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. The Star Wars is going to start filming in May, so uh, we'll, we'll look forward to hearing more news coming uh, around that. Well, this week has been about the Lego movie over here at Movie Bite. Uh, that came out this past weekend, and I wrote a, uh, a a review of it. And we also found out that the Lego movie has scored an opening weekend of 69.1 million. Uh, Lindsay Bear over at Entertainment Weekly reports, everything is awesome for the team behind the Lego movie. The 3D animated extravaganza is estimated to have earned a spectacular $69.1 million this weekend, the biggest opening of the still young year, and the second largest February opening ever. The, the, the top spot belongs to 2004's Passion of the Christ. The Phil Lord and Christopher Miller movie blew past studio and analyst predictions, which had the pick in the 40 to $55 million range. Playing in 3,775 theaters, most of which were in 3D, Lego scored an incredible $18,307 per location, and including overseas profits, which was $18.1 million from 34 territories, the Lego movie has already stacked up to $87.2 million. Lego Movie is Warner Brothers' first animated release in three years. Village Roadshow co-financed the picture, bringing the uh, featuring the vocal talents of Chris Pratt and Emmett as they go on to list the actors. Sixty uh, percent of the audience was over eighteen years old. A sequel is reportedly already in the works, and I'm definitely looking forward to that sequel. By the way, uh, because the Lego Movie was pretty good. Um, I saw a 2D showing on Saturday at 6:30. I took my son Alan, and uh, that was packed. In fact, all the 3D showings for the entire day were completely sold out. Not that I necessarily wanted to see a 3D showing, but I even had a hard time just getting into the theater at all on Saturday. And that theater was packed out uh, by the time that I got my tickets and got in there. Um, and there, yes, there were a lot of kids in the audience, and they had fun. My son loved it, and he's seven. But the adults in the audience really loved this film, and, and that's that's a good sign that it, it has that sort of Pixar-like appeal to uh, the younger audience and to the older audience in different ways. I mean, I find that to be always a very fascinating thing with Pixar, and the Lego movie certainly seems to have achieved that as well. And, you know, the film, it didn't take itself too seriously, and it still had a good plot. Uh, as I mentioned, I wrote my review, and I'll link that up in the show notes. Uh, I gave it four out of five stars. Um, it, I, I think in my mind I had sort of equated it to 
uh, Wreck-It Ralph um, in, in wanting it to be sort of like that. And I don't think it quite lived up to that expectation of mine. But that's not to say it wasn't a good movie. It was a very good movie. Read my review for more details. And I also talked about it at length with Chad and uh, Joe Darnell on the Movie Bite podcast. Uh, so you want to check that out. That is uh, Movie Bite podcast episode 79. That's also in the show notes. We spent a lot of, a lot of time uh, loving on that film. Um, and then I just have to mention this, a Fox news anchor kind of didn't like the Lego movie. Um, he, <laughs> I have a video of it in the show notes. Um, he didn't like it because he felt that it was anti-capitalist. Um, and, uh, it doesn't matter that the, the movie is based on capitalism. It's selling. That's how it sells itself. I mean, all movies are based on capitalism in that way, but I, I felt like the film was actually pretty neutral in that regard. Uh, his whole deal is that the name of the villain is Lord Business, um, and and therefore the filmmakers are villainizing business and all of capitalism. That's about as far as the analysis went. That's about as deep as it went. And I there there was none of that in this film. It was just frustrating to see that. And it continues to show that Fox News is out of touch and not a good news source for liberals or uh, conservatives. For sure, since it's supposed to be the conservative news network, but for for certainly not for anybody, uh, I really don't like Fox News. Well, this week, uh, the guys that uh, do movieology, that'd be Joe Darnell, uh, Michael Minkoff, and Eric Rauch, they released movieology episode eight. Although Eric was not on this episode, he was present for the recording, but he hadn't seen the movie they were reviewing, and so they brought on their first guest host, Rusty Hain, and uh, they did a. I, I really enjoyed that episode. I haven't even seen the movie they reviewed yet, which was her. But I really enjoyed the analysis, and, and uh, boy, Michael Minkoff, he's a sharp guy, and so I really loved listening to that. Um, of course, I did the final editing, uh, spot-checked it, and exported it, and posted it on Movie Byte, and then I listened to it on my way to work uh, yesterday morning, actually, and uh, it was an awesome episode, so I'm going to recommend that you check that out as well. And I'm hoping, uh, Joe, Joe is assuring me they're going to try to get on a more regular schedule. It's supposed to be a monthly show. Uh, they're really going to try to uh, stick to that, but uh, we'll see how that goes. But I always enjoy it when they release a new episode. So this is Movieology Episode 8. You'll find that in the show notes. Well, last bit of news for today. RIPD director to helm Divergent sequel uh, titled Insurgent, uh, based on the novel Insurgent as well. Uh, this is according to Kevin Jaggernoth over at the playlist. Summit are really confident that everyone is going to see their big, juicy young adult adaptation Divergent next month, or at least, or they're at least hoping that their confidence and premature announcement that a sequel is coming will encourage audiences to buy a ticket. Either way, they're making plans so that they're prepared when Divergent becomes an inevitable hit film, and they are pinning their hopes on the guy who directed R.I.P.D. to keep the franchise moving. Ah, uh, uh, continuing on just a little bit. Yep, Robert Schwentke. Uh, I hope I have that right, has announced, has bounced back from directing one of 2013's biggest financial bombs and critical failures to get the gig helming insurgent. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't hate RIPD. In fact, I, I would say I liked it more than most people, but it did pretty badly at the box office, and it wasn't an outstanding film. Um, and I can't help but thinking that, uh, boy, this, this Divergent series is going nowhere fast. We'll have to see how it does at the box office. I really think that the studio is going to be disappointed with this one. And speaking of what's at the box office, before I sign off uh, for this episode, let me tell you about what's at the box office. The only new one this week that I'll recommend is RoboCop, rated PG-13. I can't really say that I'm particularly excited about this film. Uh, I've never watched the original film. I meant to have watched it by now, and I will probably watch it tonight when I get home from work Um 
I, I'm a little frustrated with Netflix. They have a very long wait listed for their DVD queue. It's not available for watch now. That's that's not necessarily their fault. That's the studio's fault. Uh, but um, I'm probably going to go ahead and just rent it on Amazon. Uh, I think it's three ninety nine, and I want I want to watch the original before I see the, this new remake. In any event, I was five years old when the first uh, RoboCop film came out, and it was rated R. So of course I did not get to watch it at that time, and it just never came up again. Um, so I'm you know I'm not really holding my breath. In fact, I expect to mildly like the old RoboCop, and probably not to really like the new one. Uh, but we will see. It stars Joel Kinnaman, Gary Oldman. Uh, Samuel Jackson, Abby Cornish, and Michael Keaton, uh, and it is rated PG-13. So that will also be interesting, a PG-13 remake of an R-rated film. It's been done before. Uh, still in theaters are The Lego Movie, highly recommended. The Monuments Men, Frozen, Lone Survivor, Vampire Academy, uh, The Nut Job, Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit, American Hustle, The Wolf of Wall Street, and I, Frankenstein. For more on those films and to find out how I feel about them, whether or not you might be interested in seeing them, be sure to visit my article linked up in the show notes. Well, that is it for this week. If you would like to view those show notes that I just mentioned, you can find those online at moviebyte.com slash the wrap slash 66. If you want to keep up with me, you can follow me on Twitter. I am TJ Draper Pro. You can also follow MovieByte on Twitter, where I keep you up to date with everything that gets posted to MovieByte. Go straight out to the Twitter account. That is twitter.com slash MovieByte. You can also like MovieByte on Facebook to join our fan club there and to keep up to date with us there. Facebook.com slash MovieByte. Of course, be sure to visit that website where we keep you up to date every weekday at MovieByte.com. That's all I've got. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great weekend.